Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Today, we are kicking off season 11 of the Girls Night Podcast, and I am so happy to be back. Can you believe it's 11 seasons? Season 11, that's crazy to me. Well, today we are talking about how to heal and move forward after you've been rejected. Now, if you're anything like me, you've experienced your fair share of rejections in life, whether it's a relationship that didn't work out or not getting a job that you really wanted. These rejections cut deep, and if we're not mindful of them, they can negatively affect so many different facets of our lives, including our relationships with God and with ourselves. But that's why I'm so excited for our conversation today. Our guest for today's episode is my dear friend, Kate Warman. Kate is an LA-based speaker, relationship expert, and the author of a brand new book called Thank You for Rejecting Me, Transform Pain into Purpose and Learn to Fight for Yourself. And that's exactly what she's teaching us today, how we can face rejection and come out on the other side stronger and more resilient. I can't wait to share this episode with you. But before we dive in, guys, I have to tell you, I'm so excited to say that registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, is opening up again on March 1st. I love this course, and I would love to have you join us. Now, if this is your first time hearing about it, let me tell you just a little bit about Love Your Single Life. Love Your Single Life is the only digital course and study for Christian women that teaches a step-by-step system to savor, enjoy, and truly make the most of your single life, all while setting yourself up for amazing relationships and marriage in the future. Here are just a few of the things we talk about in this four-week course. We talk about how to start really enjoying your single life and making the most of every moment. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. We'll talk about how to find good quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to invest in your friendships, your relationship with God, your calling and passions, and yourself. We'll talk about what to do with your sex drive while you're single because it doesn't quite wait to show up until we're married, right? We'll talk about how to stay close to your girlfriends, even when you're in different stages of life and so much more. Registration for the course only opens up twice a year, and the next time is on March 1st. So head over to the website, it's loveyoursinglelife.com, and you can find out all about the course there and get your name on the waiting list. That link will also be in our show notes. One other thing I wanted to mention is that I know some of you guys may be listening to this episode after March or in a different time of the year, and that's completely fine. Head to the website anyway. Again, it's loveyoursinglelife.com, and you can put your name on the waiting list there, and that way you'll be the first to know next time the course opens back up. I can't wait to share this with you guys. Okay, with that said, let's jump into this episode. Here is my conversation with Kate. Okay, friends, I'm so excited for this conversation today. I'm sitting here with my dear friend, Kate Warman, who's actually been on the show before, but she has something really new and exciting that she is like, that's coming out right now. Um, And so I knew we had to have her back. Kate, thanks so much for coming on Girls' Night. Steph, I'm so thrilled to be here again. And I'm just honored that you take the time to have me on your show. I love your girls. I love your community and what you've built. So anytime we get to sit down and chat, it's such an honor. (laughs) Oh man, I love it. I love it. Well, so for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? 
Yeah, totally. I'm going to do a different fun fact from any other time that I've been on that's, here. That's good. That is, I forgot right? to tell you, that's the requirement. You have to come up with a new one, which is sort of the penalty for being a repeat guest. Because, like, I know. I'm like, like, I saw this in advance and I was like, okay, new fun fact, new fun fact, Kate. Yes. Don't be boring. Okay. <laughs> um, but for everyone who doesn't know me, I'm Kate Warman. I live in Los Angeles. I um, am a relationship coach. I'm a speaker. I'm now an author yeah, and I run the ministry called Heart of Dating. So what we do is we really try to unmask the ever so ambiguous world of Christian dating. And I do this all as a single woman. We've been doing this ministry now for three years, which is crazy to think about. Time has flown, but I absolutely love just walking alongside other singles. And through this process, now we run conferences every year. We do some courses. We get to also have like a fun dating platform called Drop the Hanky. We've done date nights and matchmaking events. So there's so many cool things that have come out of this. And I love it because Steph, you know me, I love love. and <laughs> I love getting to walk alongside people on a journey that's one of the most important areas of their life, which is relationships. Uh, so that's what I do. And a fun fact about me. Okay. This is so embarrassing, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, in the third grade, I had the biggest crush on, nobody's going to guess it. So I'm just going to say on Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) No, you did not. Yes. It's terrible. It's so bad. And it's so real. And I don't know why I was eight years old, like obsessed with Arnold. It's weird, everybody. It's weird. That is hilarious. What movies, like what were his movies around that time? It's so even worse. Okay. So this is terrible and makes it seem so weird, but I got so obsessed with this movie he was in called Junior, which was about him having a baby which is so weird. Why would I have a crush on a guy that's having a baby? It's odd stuff. I don't even know, but I w- it was my favorite movie. It was like my favorite movie outside of Titanic. It was my favorite movie and I had such a crush on him. I don't know why. <laughs> that is so funny. I'm so happy to know that. And now I'm like, okay, have I had a crush on anyone super weird? And like, I want people to tell us, like, if you guys, if you guys have, have had a thing for the Arnold, or if you guys have had like, you know, a really random movie that was your favorite in third grade, we just need you to tell us. And if this means something in Kate's life and you are a therapist, like, tell, like, tell us, or like, you, like a crush interpreter. <laughs> Tell us what this I means. need to know because you have no idea. I moved to Ohio years, years later, and I still had a minor crush on him. And um, I like found, I saw him at the mall when I was at the mall. He like had bodyguards and stuff. And Steph, I freaked out. It was so weird to like. <laughs> That it was the the obsession was that real. I mean, and it didn't fully die down even till high school. So it died down a bit, but it was still there. So it's just really odd. I need to go check in with my mom about what she thought about me <laughs> when I was eight years old, <laughs> confessing this really big crush on Ar- Arnold Schwarzenegger. She was probably like, what? <laughs> like, She's like, what strange. about like the third grader in your class? What's wrong You're with like, my nope. daughter? Does she need to go to therapy? Like, nope. what's happening? <laughs> nope. Oh my gosh. It's the accent. It's the muscles. It's the... I know. Oh, I don't know. Man, that kills me. Okay. I could laugh about that for a really long time. <laughs> I love that. When Kate and I first met, her fun fact was uh, like being a huge fan of Celine Dion. And I think like I was probably about in third grade when I discovered Celine Dion and 
I had, you know, all of her cassette tapes and I know all the words to all of her songs. And so that was like one of our first friendship moments. And so you mentioned yes. Titanic. I feel like we should also also mention that. Yes. That, yeah. Uh, all the fun facts clearly come out of that time in my life, the years from eight to nine to 10, I guess. And so, but yes, I'm wildly obsessed with Celine Dion and um, Titanic for sure. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, now that we're all friends, now that everyone's like, okay, these, <laughs> Kate, Kate's my girl. I'm like, yep, I know. I know. She's or the they best. think I'm weird, but that's okay because we're all a little bit weird. We're all guys. a little bit weird. We all have, we all have fun facts where we're like, is this fun or is this weird? Um, yes. It's both for all of us. So, Kate, you mentioned that you are a new author and you have a brand new book out that's called Thank You for Rejecting Me, which (laughs) is the best title and so intriguing. And so can you tell us just a little bit about the book before we dive in? Yes. So thank you for rejecting me. Uh, So I decided to write a book about rejection because, you know, I am like a dating coach and I love talking about dating. Uh, Rejection is a part of the dating process, but it's more than that. It's more than just dating. It's the things that have happened to us when we were children. It's the things that happened to us at our job. It's the thing that's happened to us in friendships and being bullied and, and, I wanted to write a book that really addressed the things that keep us from stepping into our wholeness in our relationships and our everyday life. So for me, what my journey is like, or what my journey has been like, is it's been plagued by so many different kinds of rejections. Uh, I spent years trying to be the best, the top of everything. I spent years trying to get men to love me. I spent years trying to find a sense of belonging only to feel like I never fit in anywhere. I spent years hating myself on the inside while smiling on the outside and portraying the specific version of myself that I wanted everyone else to see. I have been through so many different heartbreaks, more than I in the past ever cared to admit. And I've also had to deal with some harder things such as betrayal and abuse and feeling abandoned. And um, even in New York back in the day, I spent a year of trying to be invited to everything and then feeling distressed when I wasn't invited to things, but meanwhile was like running my body into the ground. So at some point I reached a place in my life where I realized that, you know, rejection in its various myriad of forms had such destruct, had been so destructive in my life. And it had created so much doubt and self-loathing and so much fear and shame and so much pain and so much insecurity. And there was just an entire web of lies that really rooted themselves in my mind, all like these little bad weeds. And, And there just came a day in my life where I recognized like, I am living my life plagued by all my past rejections and I'm still so in fear of rejection happening in the future so much so that it cripples me and it leads me to things like performance or it leads me to trying to control situations. And so I just got to a place where this was exhausting and I need to reckon with my past rejections. And the thing that about rejection that is so tough is that everybody listening to this podcast right now experiences it. You know, there's not a single person on the planet that I've met that has never felt a rejection. You know, that is just something we all experience. And maybe it's a big rejection, like you're the man of your dreams breaking up with you. Or maybe it's a small rejection, like feeling like the girl at the grocery store looked at you the wrong way. And you're like, what is she thinking about me? Oh my gosh, should I do something? And internally you feel rejected by this random stranger. But these little things pile up and they make us feel a certain way, usually bad things, right? Usually really negative things. 
And so we can show up as best as we can to be brave and accepted only to then leave feeling unwanted and left out. We can do all the right things. We can open our hearts, but we still risk being rejected. We still risk being heartbroken. We still risk somebody not accepting us, whether in a friendship or a relationship. And so I just decided, like, can we not all just say, I'm fed up by being defined by rejection and being so fearful of it that I try to avoid it at every possible cost. So the reason why I wrote, thank you for rejecting me is I want readers who read this book to really leave with a confidence that though painful rejections may happen in the future, they don't have to destroy them and completely take them down, you know? And I think there's something cool and freeing about saying, yes, I know rejections will keep happening, but I can have a a strength unlike ever before and an endurance so that when rejections may come my way in the future, they're going to come fly my way like these arrows, but they're going to instead prick me now and not take me down entirely like they did in the past. So my whole thing with thank you for rejecting me is, yeah, rejection can try to have its way with us, but that doesn't mean we can't have our way with rejection. Rejection doesn't have to take us down. It doesn't have to mean we lost or are unsuccessful. It doesn't have to determine our value. It doesn't have to be a reason to quit or take ourselves out of the game. It doesn't have to destroy our lives like sometimes we think it does. And it actually can build strength in our lives and perseverance. If we see rejection in a new way, if we dive through the depths of our biggest pain, we can get to a new place of healing. And in fact, a lot of rejection is redirection to a new opportunity. And a lot of our rejections can reveal things about ourselves we didn't know and even clarify our purpose and our calling and what God's trying to do in our stories. And another beautiful part about rejection, it can help us empathize with other people who are hurting so that we can grow in our buckets of compassion and love others the way Jesus loves us. Uh, It could also really lead us to loving ourselves even more. And one of my favorite things about rejection is once I've looked past or looked back at all my different times of rejection, when I've really faced it head on, when I've really pressed into that rejection, I've realized more than ever that each one of my rejections is a chance to turn to God, to grow in my relationship with God and love myself and who I was made to be in the image of God that much more. And so when we can turn rejection into this beautiful thing, that's when I say, okay, thank you for rejecting me, you know, because it's made me into the person I am today. So that's what I hope the reader walks away with. And now I've just talked your ear off, but I get so excited talking about this book stuff. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Seriously, Kate, I feel like everyone listening is like standing on a chair, like amening at you because rejection is such a thing. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about all of the different rejections I've, I've faced in my life in different relationships and jobs and things like that. And like, even, you know, you kind of mentioned you mentioned being in New York, like wanting to be invited to a bunch of things. And like, I can think of times where like someone was, someone I, you know, I'm friends with is having like a birthday party or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I'm not invited. And like it, that should be an okay thing at like at this stage in my life. Like, I, I feel like we should get over that at some point, but like something like that, like finding out that someone had an event and like you weren't invited. I mean, just, it really hurts and it and it's so easy for for rejection to turn to like take on a life of its own and all of a sudden like it's not just about this event or this birthday party or something Mm -hmm. it's like the hammer on you not being good enough it just is such a quick 
trip. And, and so anyway, I'm thinking about like just how much rejection has been a thing in my life and something that I've battled and something that I've been hurt by and something that I've feared and something I've tried to avoid. And then something I've tried to like reconcile and, and, and not like let hold me back as much. And so I'm just so really grateful that you wrote this book because I know that everyone else is having the exact same thoughts I'm having. Oh gosh. And there is a way that we don't have to be small from our rejections anymore. And that's what I hope to impart to everyone who reads this book is that like you may spend your life trying to avoid it, but it's still going to happen. So how can you stay strong in the midst of it? Because there is a way like friends, there is a way we're going to talk more about that. I'm sure. Yes. I love that. I love that. Okay. So um, one of the things that you say in your book that I want to just ask you about to get more of like, because it's it's really hard. Even mm-hmm. rejection is is something that we all hate so much. It's mm-hmm. really hard to imagine what it could look like if we sort of embraced it or saw the goodness in it. And so in your yeah. book, you say, my biggest life rejections have made me into the woman I am today. They've led me to discover deeper parts of my soul, given me great endurance and profound strength, and have helped me come face to face with hidden wounds and grimy shame to experience healing and love. They've also taught me how to stand strong in my identity. So mm. I know that this is like a major question, but can you touch on a couple of the of the rejections that you faced in your life where You've done the work, you've partnered with God, you've been in therapy, you've done the things that you talk about in this book so that Mm. like they actually end up being those good things. Like just give us a picture of what that's looked like in just like areas of your life. Yeah. So I'll give you one for sure. I'll start with this one is definitely through heartbreak. I mean, what I just shared with you guys earlier is that I run this ministry called Heart of Dating. We talk all about Christian dating. Well, that ministry would have never happened in my opinion, if I hadn't gone through a terrible heartbreak. And it, it, I always reference it as one of the worst heartbreaks in my life. There's a whole chapter on this heartbreak specifically with a guy named Chris. And this heartbreak catapulted me into a deep season of healing because let me just be honest, like I, and I've talk, talked about this heartbreak on your podcast before Steph, but I thought I was going to marry that guy. Well, it, it, it came out of nowhere and it totally took me off guard. And it was because of being able to find strength within that heartbreak, press into God, grieve, really feel the pain to heal the pain. I actually loved that season of heartbreak. Now, not in a way where it's like, oh my gosh, I so want to keep going through heartbreaks like that over and over and over. But I grew in intimacy with God. I grew in understanding myself. I just grew in more confidence of who I am and what I do have to offer in a relationship instead of catapulting into all the lies, which is he didn't choose me. I'll never be enough. I'm never going to be someone's first choice. You know, what could I have done differently? Like it was, if only this, you know, we go into all those shame spirals and it all leads back to something is wrong with me. And sure, there there is healing and growth to be had. I know we'll talk about that too, but but really for me, it was saying, no, Kate, like in this season, you're focusing on God and you're focusing on you and you're focusing on what you can do to get forward. So it's not focusing on the why that relationship ended. It's focusing on what I can do to move forward. And in focusing on what to do to move forward, God showed me that there is so much I can be confident about and not in the fact that I'm perfect or I have it all together or, you know, there were definitely things I need to face that I did wrong in that relationship. But I felt like God really showed me more of my purpose, more of my calling, brought me into deeper intimacy of my own heart. And it was within that season that God put on my heart, 
I want you to start a podcast. Now, at the time, I had never interviewed a soul in my life. I was running an entrepreneurial business and it had to do with social media and fashion and all that stuff, nothing to do with dating and nothing to do with a podcast. And so it was so weird. I felt this calling and prompting to start a podcast as I pressed into what that podcast was going to be about. I felt God continually say, Kate, I wanted to be on dating. And I remember laughing. Like, I was like, wait, what? Like, I am going through this season of heartbreak, Lord. Why would you want me to start a podcast on dating? Like, that seems crazy. I clearly haven't done it, right? Because I'm not married. And I really just felt God say, Kate, if not you, who? I have brought you through the most treacherous rejections and heartbreaks of your life for this moment. No, you don't have to have it perfectly all together, but your story is going to connect to others. I'm going to open doors for you to have conversations. And yes, you're still learning. That's part of the beauty here. And I just felt God with like this peace in my heart that God wanted me to step into this area. And that was new for me being Enneagram 3, not having to have it all together. And I'll be honest, Steph, in starting the podcast, I was like, there's a lot of fear of rejection coming into that because nobody, like, what if nobody listened, right? Like, what if, what if nobody listened? What if people didn't think I was credible? Like, what if there's lots of what ifs, but I really felt a strong sense of God is with me. And it is because of how much he's healed me that I need to step into this and he's going to be with me on this whole journey. And so that heartbreak is what led me to start Heart of Dating. And like, look at, like, if I didn't start Heart of Dating, I would not be sitting here on this interview with you right now. And so if that heartbreak hadn't happened, I'm convinced that this whole ministry would have never started. And I really believe that in our darkest pain, God can birth something absolutely beautiful. And it may not be right away. It may take years for that to happen, but he will birth something beautiful. And it may not be a business. It may just be a new skill set of you, yours, or you are now the person that is discipling a woman who just went through an abusive relationship and you help other women get out of those situations. So, it is through that heartbreak that led me to start Heart of Dating. And I love that. That is where there's so much redemption in our heartbreaks. Um, and, you know, there's so many others that I talk about in the book. And I, I actually split the book up into 11 main different kinds of rejection because for me, uh, rejection isn't just a one size fit all. There's so many different, it takes on so many different variants, you know? And so I wanted to be able to invite the reader into opening up to the chapter that really relates to their current season. I want them to read the whole book, but that's my goal. So there's a chapter on heartbreak and abuse and belonging and abandonment and being uninvited and feeling the weight of failure and sexual shame and even ways in which we uh, self-reject. Kate, I can relate to that so much. If any of the women listening have read my book, The Lipstick Gospel, mm. I, I mean, if I hadn't been broken up with by a guy I thought was the perfect one for me, the guy I thought I was going to marry. Like, I never, ever, I, I, I don't want to say never, but like, it was through that that, that mm. I met God in the first place. And yeah. I just, like, the things that transformed in my life as a result of that, and I mean, it hurt so badly along the way. Like, right. it was absolutely yeah. brutal. But I just... I wouldn't be the same person if I hadn't gone on that journey. And a lot of times I think a rejection is the catalyst that sends us on a really amazing journey. And um, one of my favorite stories—I've talked about this before, but one of my favorite verses is Romans 8.28, and it says, mm -hmm. In all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called, like, called according to His purpose. And in Genesis, the story of Joseph— 
there's sort of a connection to that verse because, um, you know, if you know the story of Joseph, like all these bad things happen to Joseph, like essentially he gets rejected a lot. Like his brothers, like pretend to kill him, but actually sell him into slavery. Like he gets (laughs) falsely accused of sexual assault. Like he gets put in jail. All these really bad things happen. Um, and at the end, his brothers are apologizing to him because at this point, Joseph's like number two in Egypt. He's saved everybody from this terrible famine and his brothers are apologizing to him. And Joseph says, you know what? Like, essentially it's okay because what you meant for evil, God meant for good and for the saving of many lives. And it was mm-hmm. crazy. I got to have a dinner with the boyfriend that, that, that broke up with me in the lipstick gospel, mm-hmm. like maybe two and a half years later or something. Wow. Oh and my gosh. It was one of those things where like those, I feel like those conversations never actually happen. Um, and I think it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good thing sometimes that they don't happen because sometimes you don't get the closure that like closure, I think You're a lot of times for. comes from within, but yes. I, I did get to have a conversation with him and he did apologize for like some of the things that happened. And I got to tell him like basically exactly that, that like, you know what? it's it's okay because what what happened was used for such good i could never go and undo it i would never in a million years go undo it yes. um, because of what happened since and so yeah anyway i just really relate to that but the thing is that when we are rejected mm-hmm. and i know this from like all the times i've been rejected <laughs> um <laughs> like whether it's our whether it's a job whether it's a friend whether it's someone we are in love with or someone we're hoping to be in love with, when we're rejected, I think it doesn't, like, the rejection doesn't really stay neatly in that compartment. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not like, well, I didn't get this job, therefore I need to brush up on my resume. Or this relationship (laughs) didn't work out, therefore he wasn't the right one. It sort of spills out into this thing where all of a sudden, at least for me, I would start to believe like, okay, this relationship didn't work out because I'm unlovable. Mm. Or, you know, there's something truly wrong with me or I'm really not good enough. Like it just would balloon into this thing where all of a sudden my identity was taken right down with it. And so how do we how do we go through rejections without allowing it to to take over everything? Yeah. Well, and this is a process because what you're saying is so real. What I tried to convey in the book through being really open and honest and but also practical is that this is a process that you have to commit to because it's more than likely you've had multiple rejections in your life that have felt super destructive. And whether it's somebody abused you and you just feel so rejected by that person because they didn't respect and honor you and just were grotesquely terrible to you, whether somebody betrayed you and you feel just so rejected by betrayal, you know, and you feel like you don't even know when you're going to be able to trust again, or whether it is a heartbreak and you thought you're going to be that person with that person in the suddenly it ended and you're like, wait, what? And so there are these moments and there's probably, and there's way more than that. I'm just giving a handful, but where we are left feeling like, oh my gosh, the deep guttural pain of the grief and of that rejection and that heartbreak or whatever it specifically is. And we're like, it's very, usually, especially in those past moments, if you didn't have the tools to really deal with them, you probably did slingshot into negative thoughts about yourself. And so 
this is okay because you still have hope to rewire this in the future. The best part about our brains is that they're neuroplastic, which means that God actually wired our brains to be able to change. And so when we say things like, yes, Christians say, yes, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That sounds awesome. But my question is always like, well, how do we do that? And that is by practically being the own referee of our, of like our internal thought battle. So what are we actually thinking about what we're thinking about? you know, and we have to practice this and it comes before we just go through another rejection. So this really comes, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm reckoning. And this is why I created this book. You may be going through rejection right now, or maybe it was a while ago, but this is an awesome opportunity for you to read. Thank you for rejecting me and face some of your past rejections so that you can stand up strong and it doesn't have to impact you the same. Maybe you're thinking about your last heartbreak, for example, we'll stick on heartbreak and you're like, that took me forever to get over. Well, guess what? If you start doing the tools now and start practicing things now and strengthening your muscles now, if rejection in some capacity, like a heartbreak happens again, you will be able to have tools to not slingshot right back into those lies. You'll have the awareness to not go back into those triggers, right? And I'm not saying the grief process will be instantly easy, that you'll be like over in a heartbeat. It's still a process, but you will have the tools and ability to stand stronger and more quickly and many times in the future. And so it's a process, right? I'm going to keep it. But I, I say in the book as well, we have to be able to trust the process and and start now. Maybe someone's listening. They're like, oh yeah, I had some rejections in the past. We need to deal with those because they're probably bleeding into your life in so many ways you don't even realize. You're probably performing for other people in the future because you're so afraid of a rejection happening like the one you went through in your childhood or in high school. Um, maybe it was from a friend or maybe it was from a boyfriend. And so We really do need to start practicing thinking about what we're thinking about, facing our biggest lies of rejection, whatever that may be. What are you most afraid of? And identifying what are the biggest moments in time? What were the biggest rejections you have experienced? Then we have to go through and hopefully if you get my book, then you can go through to the chapter that's specific to you. Okay, I was really betrayed, Kate. And I don't know if I can trust people again. You know, I have such a hard time actually being able to trust people because I had a best friend that that totally betrayed me or I had a boyfriend who cheated on me. Okay, well, let's deal with that because that's going to show up in your future friendships and your future like intimate male relationships. So we need to deal with that. Why can't you trust again? Let's deal with working to build back trust up for yourself first. And maybe you've lost trust for yourself along the way because you feel like you failed yourself because you didn't see that betrayal coming. And so let's work to rebuild how to trust you again. And then in that process, we can figure out, okay, are are you really hesitant to trust people because of how you've been betrayed in the past? How do we work to get to a place of wise trust? What does that look like? What is the process of re- trusting again look like? What do you need to feel in order to be able to trust somebody? Uh, Brené Brown talks about this, but she talks about marble jar moments. And I'm just sticking on the topic of betrayal right now, but she she talks about like trusting people. What is it for you specifically that you need to put a marble in your marble jar? Which means if somebody does this for me, it builds a little bit of trust. 
And that's different for every single person. So we need to be able to do those things now so that I can have the tools to recognize, oh, these are the things I need to really build trust with someone. And if we don't recognize that, then sometimes we're blindly trusting someone just because they're charismatic and they're saying the right things, but their actions aren't actually showing that they're a trustworthy person. You know, so if we are stuck in our betrayal rejection from the past, we can work to work through our trust issues now so that when we enter a relationship with someone in the future, we are aren't as hesitant. We're not as closed up. We show up more brave and courageous and and say, yes, I'm here opening my heart to this person, knowing betrayal may happen again, rejection may happen again, but I'm not as afraid of it happening in the future. So again, it's a process and uh, it's so hard to compartmentalize it to one thing because I would say every rejection, that's why I created my book this way, every rejection we deal with a little bit differently. And so I wanted it to be like, hey, let's, let's talk about each and every one of the different kinds of rejections you've been through and how to process each one of those differently. Yeah. I I love that you're talking about this. You know, Kate, you and I have talked a lot about my course, Love Your Single Life. Yeah. And that's why it's one of my, uh, it's one of the reasons I love the course so much is because in it, one of the things we're doing is kind of working through some of our past junk. And Mm. that's so important to do because you've said it a couple of times now, like our past junk 100% comes up in the future. And a lot of times past rejections cause, actually cause future rejections. So like an example is like, if you have, you know, a really, if you've had a really hard breakup in the past and you are, well, no, let me pick a different, let me pick a different, um, Example, if you were cheated on by a past mm-hmm. boyfriend, then in the, and, and you don't really truly work through it and figure out how to, how to like, like you said, wise trust, how to, how to step into a place where you are actually mm-hmm. healed from it and where you can actually wisely trust someone again. One, you might get into repeat relationships with people who yep. aren't trustworthy because you haven't really done the work to figure out what went wrong the first time yes. um, or like what the warning signs were or like, you know, how to kind of keep yourself safe in the midst of it. Um, But the other thing is like a lot of times, you know, if you've been betrayed before, you're constantly on guard for future betrayal, which means you could be like projecting this, I don't trust you. I can't trust you onto someone who you really can trust. And Mm -hmm. that is in itself could lead to rejection. Like nobody wants to be in a relationship where no matter what they do, the other person doesn't trust them. And if you're in a place where no matter what someone does, you can't trust them because of what's happened in your past, like that in itself is going to destroy your relationship or mm-hmm. same with same with friendships. You know, if you've had some really toxic friendships in the past, like you're going to be so closed off because you don't want to feel that hurt again, but you can't really connect in a friendship on a deep level if you're totally closed off. And so like by not working through the past, you're actually hampering yourself in the future And this right now, wherever we are, all of us today, this is the perfect time to work through anything we can come up with because then that way we're not carrying that baggage around as we walk into the future. Yes. And it's going to, it does, it balloons out. It bleeds into all sorts of situations. What you're talking about is what I call in the book, apprehensive trust, where we are so burned by past betrayals or people who have broken our trust that it's like, we are that driver on the road. That's gripping the wheel. That's like so afraid that something's going to go wrong, you know? And usually those people are ended up, end up being the ones that get in accidents because you're like so tense that like, you're so jumpy that something 
ends up going wrong. You may abandon the relationship. You may blow up in the relationship. Something's going to happen, but you are so tense. You can't eat. And meanwhile, you can't even enjoy what's going on around you. You can't even enjoy the relationship. You are just searching and searching and searching for the first sign of that person showing you anything that might be untrustworthy. And you're not even enjoying the process. And meanwhile, that person feels like you were just like the investigator trying to like and analyze every deal detail about them. And they don't feel good about that either, but they can feel the weight of that happening. And I've done that. You know, I've done that in the past where I've gotten my heart broken or betrayed by somebody. And then in the future, all I'm doing in the beginning of the relationship is just looking for every single thing that might be wrong with that person so that I can eliminate them and save myself. (laughs) Um, Because I haven't worked through my past trust issues, you know, and therefore that person could be an amazing person for me, but I'm not really giving them a shot because I haven't actually worked through the reasons why I, of how to get to wise trust and how to first trust myself. I believe that's the first part of trust. Like, do you actually trust yourself? Uh, if you can actually trust yourself and then you can work through the reasons why you don't trust other people, then you can find a way to get back to wise trust, which is a balance. But we need to be able to do this or it will bleed in our future relationships. And we may eliminate perfectly good situations, um, opportunities or relationships and people because we're not actually working through some of the reasons in this case with trust of why we don't trust people. And we're going to be missing out. And that's so sad. It's almost like we're rejecting other people before they have a chance to even reject us. (laughs) I feel like so many of us do that. Yes. Something you may not know about me is that I'm fairly particular when it comes to fragrances, especially the ones I have in my home. Don't get me wrong, I love lighting candles, but a lot of the ones I've found in stores have overpowering scents and use chemicals that end up giving me a headache. Plus, I learned that the candle industry contributes to a large amount of carbon emissions and toxicity in our air. That's why I've recently made the switch to Notes Candles, which also happens to be today's Girls' Night sponsor. I love Notes because their scents are high quality but don't smell overly sweet or chemically. But what's even more amazing is that they are on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels with their more earth-friendly option. Did you know that there are almost 2 billion candles sold each year? And almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? Talk about wasteful. But thankfully, Notes does things differently with their refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessels again and again and again. I love this because it's way more sustainable than buying a new candle jar every time you go to the store. And you don't have to feel guilty about throwing your old candle jars in the trash. Plus, it's so easy to do and actually really fun. You just place the wick they provide you in your reusable notes jar, fill it up with their wax beads, light your candle, and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. Once you're ready for a new candle, you just repeat the same steps. They have 13 incredible fragrances to choose from, which are all handcrafted by fragrance experts at Notes Home Base in South Carolina. I am obsessed with their vanilla and pepperwood scent. It's cozy and warm and perfect for a movie night with your friends. But they also have other amazing fragrances like citrus and fresh basil, pistachio and rose water, and bamboo and water lily. I cannot wait to try one for every new season. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. Make the switch and build a starter kit. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off 
and free shipping when you buy a Note starter kit using code GIRLSNIGHT at notescandle.com slash girlsnight. Just use code GIRLSNIGHT when placing your order. That's code GIRLSNIGHT at notescandle.com slash girlsnight. In the last few years, I've prioritized purchasing food products with higher quality ingredients for my family and myself. Products that have more of the real stuff and less of the fake stuff. And it's been so much easier to make that happen since I found Thrive Market. Thrive Market is my new go-to for buying groceries and household items like vitamins and personal care products. The best part is I can order everything online from my sofa and it's quickly shipped right to my doorstep, saving me so much time. If this is your first time hearing about them, Thrive Market only carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, making it so much easier to maintain a healthier lifestyle. You can even use their on-site filters to fit your lifestyle needs. For example, you can look for low sugar alternatives, gluten-free items, or organic kid snacks. They have Annie's, Once Upon a Farm, and Dave's Organic Bread, all staples in our weekly grocery trip. But they also have brands and products I've never heard of, which is awesome because I'm always looking for healthy and delicious things to feed the girls and myself. Thrive Market is not only a one-stop shop for basically everything on my grocery list, but it gave me tons of ideas for products I didn't even know about. And by becoming a Thrive Market member, I save money on all of my grocery orders. Along with saving money, you're also helping a family in need with Thrive Market's one-for-one membership matching program. So if you join, they give. Friends, I seriously look forward to my Thrive Market box every time. They have an incredible product selection with brands that are better for you and for the planet. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash girlsnight for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash girlsnight. Thrivemarket.com slash girlsnight. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Does anyone else feel like they could use more time in the day? There are things you want to accomplish, places you want to go, people you want to connect with, but it feels like you're always falling behind. Something I'm learning recently, well, always, is that none of us can do it all. We all have to figure out what's most important to us, but doing that alone can feel scary and overwhelming. Well, friends, this is one reason why I've come to love therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. You're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. You frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. You really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. 
In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing I don't have to. I am at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it, and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, that's easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the therapist you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, If you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're looking to sort through your priorities this year, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Learn to make time for what's most important with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash friendship. I've talked about this before, and I think I actually talk about it in Love Your Single Life. I had a relationship where everything about it was good. He was great. Like, we were great on paper. It looked like everything should be working out. And in a lot of ways, it was. But the biggest thing that was holding us back in our relationship was the fact that while he thought I was great and he really liked me, I didn't think I was great and I didn't like me. And so no matter how he treated me, no matter how kind or loving or affirming or anything he was towards me, I always was feeling rejected because I was rejecting myself. And it's just, it, it totally blew my mind because you'd think that like this super cute, sweet guy, like is telling me that I'm great and that, you know, a lot of times I feel like we look to that, like, I would just feel better about myself if I could have some great, cute, sweet guy telling me how great I am. But like, it didn't help at all. It really didn't. It fell on deaf ears because I just, I just, it was like he was pouring affirmation into this empty hole that just Mm. never could fill up. Yes. Yes. And I just... I didn't know that was possible, but it totally was. And so really, that was the guy I dated before I met Carl. And in a year in between, I worked so much on, like, through a lot of my rejections and through Mm. my identity and how I actually felt about myself, like my relationship with myself. And as a result, when I met Carl, I, I was able to, like open my heart up to him so much more. Yeah. And when he said, you know, I really like you, I could receive it and I could give it back. And it just, um, I didn't need him to, to try to fill this hole that could never be filled because the hole was already like pretty full by the time he got there. He just got to be like the the icing on top, you know? Yes. There's a, a header in my book in one of the chapters that I call love yourself to not lose yourself. And I I write about just how we need to learn to love yourself. Otherwise we will lose ourselves in life and with other people. And in this specific chapter, I'm also talking about abuse. And, And the thing about it is not to put the blame on the person who's been abused, but to really take a step back and say, hey, if we are believing so many significant lies about ourselves, 
we're actually, and, and we're berating ourselves mentally. You know, you shouldn't have done that, Kate. Shame on you. You could have been better. Like, um, you don't look, you're never going to be pretty like that girl. Like if we are saying that we're kind of mentally abusing ourselves, we're mentally bullying ourselves. And sometimes what happens is that we are then looking for somebody else to just say, just please like, will this relationship make it so that those things aren't true about myself? But unfortunately, no person on the planet is ever going to make us feel uh, fully whole, fully secure, fully loved. Only God is going to be able to do that. And oftentimes when we're looking to that from other people, it'll be the situation that you went through stuff or that will never be enough because you don't believe it. Um, it's almost like, well, I already don't believe this about myself. How is it even true? Or we'll get with somebody who does actually abuse us and we'll almost believe well, that that makes sense. Like, as I already believe these things about myself to be true, if I'm really honest, you know. So, if we're mentally abusing ourselves, we make us more that much more susceptible to actually being with somebody who may mistreat us, and we may not stand up for ourselves because we don't even believe we are truly worthy of being loved. And my heart hurts saying that so much because that was my story. I mentally berated myself and abused myself for so many years on end that I ended up being in a very abusive relationship, which I write about in the book. And so these are the things, and it's not to scare people. There is a way out of this, sisters. Like There is a way to reclaim love for ourselves so that we don't lose ourselves in the midst of other people. And it's it does take some work, but there is such beautiful, there's such beauty in this process, man. Oh, man. I wish I could give you a hug right now. Um, <laughs> I, too, girl. I'm Thank you for sharing that, Kate. Mm. So I know that when we when we are rejected, th- mm. so there's like two sides of the coin. Sometimes it's not personal. And I want to talk about that in a second. But sometimes it is. Like sometimes we've actually done something wrong or we've there's a way we could grow or like sometimes rejection points us to like it is a way of us getting some feedback about ourselves. Yeah. And I know that when we're when we've been rejected, even if it's for like it, I think especially if it's for a reason that feels deep down maybe a little bit true, we can get really defensive. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, we're, we're obviously really hurt, but we can get really defensive. And so how do we like work through, how do we break through some of that hurt and defensiveness and actually like to, to get to a place where we can actually take that feedback and grow? Yeah. So the first part that I will say to this is if you've been rejected and it's a deep, it's like, it feels a really big weight. I never tell someone take that immediate moment to then introspectively figure out what you've done wrong, because usually we just need some time to be able to sit in the pain and the grief. And if we go too quickly into how do I grow, we, we may just fall into the shame spiral. Right. And so sometimes we do need some, we do need a space to be able to grieve and go through the five stages of grief, which are anger, bargaining, depression, denial, and then acceptance. And so we we need to be able to go through those five stages to process the grief, depending on what the situation is. And then once we come through that, it's like, okay, I'm ready to actually figure out what really happened here. How can I take stock of how I showed up in this relationship or in that situation? Maybe there was a way that I deserved in a way to be rejected, or maybe there's a reason for that, why that rejection happened that I need to really consider. And, uh, One thing I would say is a lot of times people don't want to do that because it's really painful to look at the reasons why sometimes you didn't show up as your best self. Uh, And oftentimes instead of 
going into the reasons why we didn't show up as our best selves, we just go into our typical numbing mechanisms and we numb with work or we numb with social media or we numb with social outings. And my, you know, my biggest numbing mechanism has been performing. And so oftentimes when I don't want to actually analyze what I've done to contribute to some rejections happening, I'll just go into performance mode and I will work more and I will go to parties and dress up and feel all the compliments from people and, you know, whatever. Sometimes other numbing mechanisms for people can be other outrightly negative things like drinking and spending money or, you know, uh, just, uh, excessive dieting or spontaneously adventuring. There's so many different numbing mechanisms. So I would venture to say, like, as you're going through the grieving process, make sure you're aware of some of your numbing mechanisms. Cause those numbing mechanisms, we are the only ones who have the keys to unlock what those are for us. Cause sometimes they appear as good. Again, if I'm performing and doing great job at work, no one's going to necessarily say, Kate, you're numbing out. <laughs> but I know that I am numbing out because I'm taking all the extra hours that I could be processing things and taking this to a therapist, taking it to God to actually work. And that's not actually helping me in the end. So there is a level, um, and I talk about this in the book, of of taking radical ownership. And this is that when we get to a place of, okay, I have... I've grieved, I've done some healing. Now it's time for me to look introspectively of at myself and realize what things can I take ownership of so that I walk can walk in the future and do this differently. And this is about sharpening the tools in our tool belt. And we all need to be able to do this. And taking radical ownership looks like saying, okay, why didn't I show up the best as my best self? And as you do that, you're also going to have grace for yourself because when you look at the reasons why you didn't show up as your best self, you need to be able to have grace about why you didn't. Okay. So let me take a relationship I've been in. Well, my anxious attachment style overwhelmed me and I was really anxious and I maybe almost seemed a little emotionally manipulative to that person. Okay. So now in retrospect, I'm looking back at that. Why was I, why did I react that way? And if I can go through my triggers, if I can go through an understanding of why I showed up in a way that made me in made me feel like I was in fear and I needed to control the situation, then I can say, okay, gosh, girl, that happened because in the past, you were so abused that you feel like you have to control a situation when you feel like a guy is about to leave you because you're so afraid of abandonment. And so in order to do that, sometimes you you actually get into a place where it comes off as emotionally manipulative and you need to recognize that and, and have grace for yourself of why it happened. But now we're going to say, okay, what can we do instead? When I feel triggered, instead of continuing to go down that trigger hole, I'm going to stop. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to recognize what's happening in the moment. And then I'm going to recognize what is coming up for me from the past. Then I'm going to take a second to analyze that mentally. And then I'm going to stop (laughs) and I'm going to take a pause from whatever is happening. I'm going to say, hey, I'm feeling a bit triggered right now. I just need a second. That alone step is a big step of self-awareness that if we can take that in taking radical ownership and reckoning with some of the ways we showed up in the past, we can start redoing the way how how we're showing up in the future. Now, taking radical ownership doesn't mean that we are never going to show up again 
and and met like in a negative way that we aren't ever going to have a trigger ever again. That's just unrealistic. But it's to say like, now I have more understanding, more awareness. I'm building more tools in my tool belt so that I know what my triggers are. I know where my weak points are and I can express those. And I also have better tools to be able to stop things from going into my typical like negative cycles or downward spirals. So I think radical ownership is such a big part of rejection as well and taking stock of our rejection. And I also have to say that it has to be done with a lot of grace. And sometimes right after being rejected is not our best time to do it, but we should, no matter what, go through a process of reckoning and taking radical ownership. Kate, I completely forgot that you and I talked about this and I can't remember the first time that we did, but yeah. we talked about like not Monday morning quarterbacking yourself. Oh, yes. Yes, Steph. I loved what you said about that. Well, basically what you said, and I don't remember if we put a phrase on it, but it's basically, and you correct me as we're going through this, but when you are like injured in a football game, let's say, and I'm injured and oh my gosh, the coach rushes over or something and I'm there laying on the ground and it's realizing that I, they're all realizing I'm suddenly really badly injured. And then I'm, I'm have to be put on a stretcher and they're taking me out on the stretcher. The worst possible thing for me or for my coach to do in that moment is to say, Oh, well, you, you're only here because you did X, Y, Z things. Uh, that is the absolute worst moment to say that to either myself or a coach to say that to me, right? In that specific moment when we've been knocked down and we're so injured, what we need is a coach. And to, for us mentally to say this to ourselves, like, Hey, it's all going to be okay. We're going to get through this. I know you're in a lot of pain right now. I'm right here walking alongside of you, you know? And so the, that moment when we are in so much pain is not the moment where we need to be told all the things that we did wrong and could have been done differently. We need somebody to come alongside of us and just let us know that they're walking through that with us. And we can also be that for ourselves. That's kind of, I also want to say like, we need to do that for ourselves as well. Uh, we need to be able to be our own internal coach. Like, Hey, you're really hurt right now just allow yourself to feel this pain. We'll get through and, and get to the learnings, but just allow yourself space to be able to feel some of this pain as you start you know, healing from this major blow in your life. I knew we talked about that, but I couldn't remember yeah. exactly the details. Yes, I totally, it, it really is. We need some space and some time to heal. And then we can go back and go, okay, well, what did I do how could I have, how could I have avoided this? Or maybe it was, mm -hmm. maybe it was inevitable. Like you couldn't have avoided it, but like, what can I do in the future? How can I use this to be stronger? Or, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking like, if we never take the time to do this, to look back at our relationships, to see where we could grow, what we could do differently. This is actually mm -hmm. true of like work, of our performance, of we're football players. This is true of being football yes. players. It's if we never take the time to look back and try to grow and try to do things differently in the, in the future, like we're going to be doomed to repeat our same mistakes over and over and over again. Like it's yes. going to be a pattern. It's going to be something that happens in your life over and over and over again. If you never take the time to stop and ask, why is this happening? And how can I how can I grow and be different so that so that I can start a new pattern in my life? Yeah. But I love what you said about grace, though. It's really, really important for us to have grace for ourselves because when we're walking through life, we're really, most of the time, doing the best we can. And even yes. if the best we can isn't as, as good as we wish it was, like, 
we're not trying to screw things up. We're really trying to do the best we can. And so as we're looking back, like we, we need to have some time to heal, to take care of ourselves, to like nurse our wounds. And then once they've started to heal a little bit, we can look back, but just giving ourselves the grace and the space to go, I, I didn't know better then. And how mm-hmm. I got to a place of knowing better or knowing that this can be done differently is by walking through what I just walked through. And now... Mm-hmm. I can go ahead and make some changes in my life, but that's how, like, as painful and hard as this process is, that's how we get to the kind of relationship we actually want to have. That's how we are the self we need to be to be able to really connect in a great relationship. That's how we hone our skills enough to, to get that job we really want is because we've grown through this painful but important process Um, yes but but I think it's it's not immediately looking at yourself while you're you know wounded and on the ground like you should have known better yeah or even ever really saying you should have known better because if you knew better you would have done it differently now you know better because you went through all of that and now let's not shame ourselves Uh, there's the world is trying to shame us enough but you should have known better it's such shaming language you know yeah it really is Uh, And I just, on that note, will say like, I mean, when I went through my really bad abusive relationship in the past, as much as I would never hope to go through something like that ever again, I will say that that facing the end of that relationship, two and a half year abusive relationship and feeling the weight of all the pain of that, I hated myself in that moment. And I talk in the book about self-hatred and just what that looked like and, and really losing myself entirely. But that season was so pertinent in my life, the season after that abusive relationship, because up until that point, I had dated for 10 years nonstop back to back. I was never single basically for 10 full years and it ended with a two and a half year abusive relationship. And so it was after that abusive relationship that when I lost myself entirely, or I felt like I didn't know who Kate was at all, that I had the opportunity to painfully unroot all of the the ties I had to everything that was hooking me to a guy because I was dating, 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 dating. So all the sexual ties, all of the validation ties, all of the love ties, I needed to re-undo all of those and re-root and anchor in God and and re-root and anchor in myself of who is Kate. Because the biggest question that came up for me is, wait a second, who is Kate without a man? Who is Kate without a relationship? And so again, while I would never hope to go through an abusive anything ever again like that, that season after that abusive relationship, it was the breaking point for me that I needed to make a true, huge, major transformation in my life. I took multiple years off of dating. I cut so many guys out of my life, even male friendships for a long time, because I realized even male friendships felt validating for me. And it was in facing that abusive relationship and going through all those different layers, which Steph took years to do. It led me into being able to be stronger, more sure of myself, realize what I actually brought to a relationship, have an amazing life of singleness outside of guys and truly thrive in that and actually enjoy it. But it took me going through my lowest of lows to be able to to kind of re-put all the soil together, plant new seeds and have those new seeds grow. And so there is beautiful, beautiful opportunity in every darkness our dark season and painful rejection that we've been through. And I I hate if like people listening, if you've been through something as terrible as abuse or sexual abuse, whatever kind of abuse, like my heart is so pained because you do not deserve that. You did not deserve that. It is 
absolutely horrific that that could even happen to us as humans. It's not what God desires, but I know that God uses it and I know that he redeems it and I know that He's it's not lost on him. And there's so much for, for us to grow in deeper intimacy with him and ourselves and so much for us to learn. And so don't be afraid of this process. Um, God is not ashamed of you because you've gone through a lot of rejections or been through bad relationships or aren't where you thought you would be at whatever age you are. He is with you. He is beside you. And I promise if you keep pressing into that, it will lead you to something beautiful that you never thought possible. I never thought I'd be here today, Steph, talking to you. And I truly believe it is because of every past rejection that's brought me here to this moment today. Oh, man. Amen to all of that. I'm so glad that you said that, Kate. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we just talked about rejection that is kind of personal. Yeah. Which sometimes it is. And I think in any situation or any relationship, there's always something for us to learn. There's always something for us to learn. And also, it's really usually not 100% our fault. Even if we, like, whatever goes wrong, especially in a relationship, like, it really does take yeah. two to tango. And so, yes. like, there, there's always something for us to own. I think you would have to, like, how to lose a guy in 10 days, someone for it to be entirely your fault that exactly. this relationship didn't oh my work goodness. out. So, yes. so, so know that, that like, there's always something to learn. Like, again, I think you have to be really, really intentional about sabotaging the whole thing for the whole thing to be your fault. But yes, sometimes exactly. I know that rejection happens and it actually has nothing to do with us. Yes. And I, I can't remember if I've ever told this story on the show, but when I was in college um, and for years leading up to it, I wanted to be a journalist. And that's what I studied in school. That's what my degree is in, Mm -hmm. is broadcast news. And I remember one year we have this like amazing meteorologist in Denver that's just like beloved by the whole community. And she came in to talk to us about her first, like getting her first job. And the way that journalism worked, like specifically TV and and specifically at that time, was that like you would apply for a whole bunch of different news stations and you'd be applying for like really small markets. So like Mm -hmm. in the middle of nowhere with like a population of 10 and then even then you'd be doing like the 2 a.m. traffic report. And so those are the jobs that you're trying to get. And then you would just step (laughs) by step move up to like maybe eventually you'd get to do news in that in that market that someone actually saw because they were awake, you know, and then maybe you'd get to move to a bigger market, that kind of thing. And so she's talking to us about her, her journey into getting her first job. And, um, at the time you didn't like email your resume or your, your, um, like resume tape to people. You had to like mail it. Oh my gosh. And so she mailed, she said 200 resume tapes and resumes two different stations mm-hmm. around the country, 200. Um, she yeah. was she got in her car and would like visit different places and stop by and say hi. I think she was like sleeping in her car in between. But it took 200 applications for her to finally get her first job. Mm-hmm. And I remember really appreciating the fact that she said that because what she was telling us was it wasn't that she was bad. It's just that in a lot of, you know, for half the station's, they didn't even get to see her tape because it was at the bottom of the pile or because they hired someone's nephew's right. friend or because they had just hired a brunette and so they needed a blonde male or so, you know, to just kind of add some mix things up on the news set or whatever. Or like they, they just weren't hiring for that position at the time. There are so many things that go into 
decisions like hiring or even relationships. Like there are a bazillion factors of why a relationship does or does not work out. And some of them have to do with us personally. And some of them are just being in the right place at the right time um, Mm. with the right color hair, you know? Right. Um, right. (laughs) And, and so I, I just love that example. And I was really grateful for it because it really made me like, preemptively dig in my heels, especially professionally, to be like, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna do this until I'm rejected 200 times. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we get it in our head that if we're rejected once, if you, you know, put out one podcast episode and n- nobody listens to it, that that's a sign from the world and from the Lord that like you were not supposed to do this when no one listens to anyone's first episode. Like you have to right. give it a yes. minute. And and so I just want to point that out that sometimes, you know, we always have places where we can learn and grow, but sometimes rejection is just a whole set of circumstances that have absolutely nothing to do with us. And yeah. we really like life and love and the work we're meant to do in the world and friendship and all good things require perseverance and mm-hmm. requ- and some require us to get rejected a few times. But that doesn't mean it's like the hammer coming down on your worth saying that like you weren't meant to do this job. Yes. It's just like the hiring manager just hired someone before they got to your resume. You know, exactly. And the more we can take ourselves out of personalizing rejections, the more freedom we have, because there's a difference between pride and confidence. And we should be able to walk around with a confidence that says, I am worthy. I am loved by God. God has great plans for me. And not in like a, just a weird Christianese way, but in a way that it connects from our head to our heart, where we are just like, I am confident that if this job didn't work out, God has something else for me. And I am, that doesn't mean I'm going to sit around lazy feeling entitled because God's going to bring it to my doorstep. I'm going to get out there and keep trying, but I know that God has something incredible for me. And I know that I am an incredible person that is worthy of a great job, you know, like, and it like knows have a number, you know, eventually you'll get a yes. I mean, that's really, truly the way it goes. And when we immediately personalize things, you know, what I hear with women I work with a lot is I encourage them to get out there and drop the hanky, which just means to make a move, show a guy you're interested and you don't have to ask him on a date, but open the door, give him a green light, give him, throw him a bone that you're interested. Right. And I say to them, but in advance of that, you have to know you may be rejected, but you have to be strong enough and who you are to know that if he does reject you, it most likely has nothing to do with you. The reason why he rejects you and isn't interested back hmm, could be because he's not ready for a relationship. Uh, could be that he is getting back together with his ex or not healed from a past relationship. Could be because he has so much on his plate. Maybe he's going through a job transition. Maybe he's struggling with his own depression or sense of failure. And maybe he's working that out with a therapist right now. And maybe that's great because you don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who is so in the midst of all of that, that really needs to figure that out. So there's so many reasons under the surface that's like the reasons for why rejection happened. It's like an iceberg. We only see the tip outside of the water, but the iceberg is so much larger underneath the surface. So the more we make it about us, like, oh, maybe my hair just looked bad, or maybe I said the wrong thing, or maybe I, you know, it's, it really could just really be about that person or about God protecting you to move you 
to something else. And that's what I really believe as cliche as the statement is. I believe that rejection is protection. I believe that rejection is redirection to something else. And if that person is not for you, I'm talking in the context of relationships, there's going to be some, most likely if God has it for you to be married, there's going to be somebody else that is for you. So we need to stop putting so much weight into why, 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 why this didn't happen and say, okay, again, what can I do to keep moving forward in my life? Trusting God, uh, redirecting and being open to what God, because the more we also focus on why that rejection happened, because we can sit there stewing why we didn't get the job, why we didn't get invited, why that guy didn't accept us. We can sit there stewing on that and going into the downward spiral of why forever. And the more we do that, the more we are actually missing out on what God is doing over here right? So friends, that's your decision. The more you sit and stew and are downward spiraling about why that thing didn't work out because of something that you think has to do with you, the more you're missing out on what God is doing in other areas of your life or what he wants to do in other areas of your life. <laughs> totally. So like we're sitting here like focusing on the guy that rejected us forever and ever and ever. Meanwhile, God's throwing like great guys in our in our vicinity, but we can't even see them because we're so hyper-focused on this last guy, right? That's usually what happens. Yes. Or we're like so worked up about why the first person didn't give us a job that like it takes us so much longer to get out there and apply again. You know, like if we have to get through 200, we got to get a move on. <laughs> so, right. Or we accept something less than we deserve because suddenly we think, oh, well, maybe I'm not that great. Maybe I shouldn't apply for the job that maybe is a little bit above my expertise because I'm probably not deserving of that. So I'm just going to actually accept something that's less than my actual expertise. Right. I mean, that's what ends up happening too. And I'm like, no, 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 don't let that destroy the confidence that you should have in yourself, which is a good thing. That's a God thing. Yeah. I feel like it's just important to know also that every every single one of us has been and is consistently rejected. Like we, we just yes. are. Like none of us are yes. immune. And I remember looking around, especially like in the context of friendships and especially in college, just feeling like, well, that person's always invited to stuff or that person's always mm -hmm. included or everyone like everyone likes her. She's never felt on the outside like I feel right now. And it's just not true. Like we all have felt on the outside. We all feel on the outside all the time. We all are rejected in a million different ways mm -hmm. all the time. It's it's a part of our human existence. It's not it's not just you. You're not alone. Um yes. and I think that that's just really important to know that like Kate's been rejected a million times. I've been rejected a million times and in all kinds of categories too. And for all different yes. reasons. Um, and yes. so like you're, you're just not alone in this. Um, Love Kate, that. Kate, I want, you know, you are an amazing relationship coach. You have put together just an incredible ministry. Your podcast is amazing. Your courses, this book, like amazing, amazing, amazing. But as you mentioned at the beginning, like there are some things that you're still like as mm. you're as you're talking about these things, there's so many things that you're still learning and like having mm. to put into practice. And one I know for like just as an example, being your friend, I know that right, right before this book came out, <laughs> you actually went through a breakup. Um, yeah, you were navigating <sighs> rejection as you were like putting the finishing touches on this book. Can you kind of mm. talk to us about that? Yeah, girl, I, 
I can't, I honestly, to be honest, when Wait, that hang on. Happened, I had permission I, to ask this before, <laughs> just so everyone knows. I, yeah. I, I got permission to ask this before. A hundred percent you did. Everyone's I, like, oh my man, gosh. she's really throwing her friend into the bus. You're like, like oh, we, we talked about this ahead of like, time. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was honestly, Steph, at first kind of funny because I will be really honest. So I got broken up with, I dated someone during COVID and I got broken up with. And then the day after it, which was very sudden, I I didn't really see it coming. And um, like I talk about in the book, I talk about a big heartbreak. I thought I was going to marry this man. Very similar situation to at least what I felt where I thought the trajectory of our relationship was going. And the day after the breakup, which caught me completely off guard, um, I get an email from my publisher, from my editor that says, okay, Kate, here's your manuscript. You have to go through it one last final time this next week. And I literally <laughs> opened this email and I'm like, ha! literally in tears. Cause at this point I'm in my bed with the, the snot running down my face, you know? And I'm like, can I even get out of bed today? I feel so sad. I didn't sleep. And I open my phone. I see this email and I'm like, are you for real? Like, it's just like <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'll tell everyone super honestly, like it was a mix of laughing, you know, the laughing where you're just like, I'm going to cry at any second, but I'm laughing right now. And it went from laughing to like, oh my gosh, I'm then crying my eyes out. Like, wait, God, why? Like, this is terrible. And, um, and I, I was so nervous. I was like, are you freaking serious. Can I say freaking? I said freaking. Okay. Are you serious? Like I actually have to read through my entire manuscript on rejection the day after I got, I went through a huge heartbreak. Like it felt like this guttural knife in my gut. And so the next week I went on a trip and I used that trip to take this time to read my manuscript. And I remember on this trip, I was like, I was putting it off at first. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. But as I sat there to read the words of my book, thank you for rejecting me. Just tears started streaming down my face as I even read the introduction. And I was like, because I was reading about how I wrote that this is for the girl that is experiencing it right now. And I want you to feel like I'm walking through this through with you arm in arm. And I'm like, wait, it's me writing to me. <laughs> and I just felt, and as, as I read through the whole book that whole week, I felt like, oh my gosh, I... I needed these words. Like I felt like God had me write this book so that in my moment of heartbreak um, after that, that I would be reading these, the very words that I needed to heal and um, get through that journey. And I was like, wow, this is why I wrote this book because it's for me. And then it's for every girl that's going to be going through this right after me at once they read this book, you know, and for all the times that you may go through rejection, not just as you're reading the book, but six months after the book, a year after the book, like I want it to be the thing that women can pick up and say, wow, I really feel like somebody is with me and they see me. And it was so weird to feel so seen um, from myself as I was reading yes. my own book. But as I got to my conclusion and my conclusion, I just, I loved the conclusion of the book. And I was like bawling my eyes out and I was at a public uh, restaurant <laughs> and I was just like there. I'm like, nobody watched me. But actually at that point, they I'd become friends with the people and they all knew I was editing my book and then I'd gone through rejection, breakup. And they're like, oh, but so they knew what was happening, but I'm sitting there bawling like, yes, this is why I did that. Because the friends, it like that breakup was so hard for me. It was so hard hard for me to realize, oh my gosh, I just wrote a book on rejection. And so I'm strong enough to, to deal with any breakup in the future or any rejection in the future, which I am. 
am. But I think a part of me got cocky in the way that I was like, oh, because I did this, I'm not going to experience rejection as bad anymore. Like I'm not going to re- experience big rejections ever again, you know? And I'm like, God, this is a sick joke. I felt at first <laughs> like that I finished this book. I did all of this poured in my darkest, deepest, hardest stories of my life into this book. And then a few months after I finished it, you'd have me go through a terrible heart-wrenching breakup. Like, are you serious? But I know that that was part of God's plan all along because the point is rejection will keep happening to us and yet we can be stronger to deal with it in the future. And I felt so much strength just reading my own words. And as weird as that is, it's like the very thing I needed. Like I, I think I wrote the book, if not for all these other women, but for me. And so now and launching it, I'm like, gosh, ladies, this, I, I'm just with you. And I I hope that every girl who buys the book feels that it's like, I really am so with you and it's okay. If rejection still hurts, it's going to still hurt, but we can be strong and we can get through this together. And so man, Steph, that's what I have to say today, because gosh, it's so wild to think that you write a book on rejection. And then right after a big rejection happens, you know, it's like, wow, man, but God has so much purpose in that. And that's why it's like, I get it now. I get why this all had to happen. And at first I hated it, but I'm like, I see where God is taking me and what a cool and amazing place it is. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not happy that that happened. I, I just would do anything to keep you and everyone listening from getting hurt in any way at all. But also I'm just so I am so grateful for you sharing this because it's true. Like rejection just is part of our lives. Like it's just, if we're going for anything good in our lives, if we're taking any steps outside of our comfort zone towards anything worthwhile, we're opening ourselves up to hurt and rejection. But I'm so grateful that you wrote this book, that you mm-hmm. have walked so faithfully through these experiences in your life and that you've taken notes and that you're sharing those notes with us because I've watched you walk through, mm-hmm. you know, different rejections and different breakups. And like the way that you work through them is so different from the way that I worked through so many of mine, you know, and, and yeah. the way that I was able to work through like the later ones after having grown and doing the work, like it just was so different and we're able, when, when we're not as terrified of rejection and when we've worked through our past rejections and when we're really solidly rooted in like who God says we yeah. are and who he says he is and what he's promised us, we can live our lives with so much more freedom and courage and boldness mm-hmm. because we know that like rejection, like you talked about at the beginning, like rejection can sting us and it will, but it can't yes. take us down. Yes. If I can, Steph, I want to end with reading the note that I write in the conclusion of my book. It's just a letter that I write to all my past rejections. Can I quickly read (gasps) that? Yes. Oh my gosh, I would love that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So I said, here's what I have to say to all of my past rejections. To all my past rejections, thank you for rejecting me. Because of you, I'm moving into something more beautiful. Because of you, I've been able to experience the depths of deep emotion and the peaks of true joy. Because of you, I've discovered how to embrace my emotions, my inner child, and the deepest parts of my soul, all of me. Because of you, I've been able to more deeply and truly connect to others with a sense of compassion and empathy I've never known before. 
Because of you, I now know you and I anticipate you and I have more grit and tenacity and endurance to face you. Because of you, I've healed. I've been set free. I've become more whole. Because of you, I have something so courageous to share, to make others feel more seen and more known and more loved. Even though I won't voluntarily sign up to face you again, I know it may happen, but this time I'm ready. This time I'm stronger. This time I'm showing up loved. Thank you for rejecting me. It's made me exactly who I am today. Yours truly, Kate. Oh, yes. And amen <sighs> to that. And that's my hope for everyone. <laughs> All the people listening and reading the book, girl, man. Kate, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Just as we're finishing up, for the woman who's sitting here today mm-hmm. feeling the sting of rejection or knowing that there are some past rejections that she needs to work through, would you just pray for us? Just yes, kind of finish yes. up. Man. Ah. Heavenly Father, God, you are so loving. God, I just pray for each woman who is listening, for the woman who has gone through the sting of heartbreak. God, no matter what it looks like, betrayal, abuse, abandonment, hating herself, insecurity, heartbreak, feeling rejected by friends, feeling like she doesn't fit in, whatever it looks like, God, you know it. You have been there every step of the way on her journey. God, would you fill her room right now? Make her feel so loved. And above all, God, make her feel not alone. Would you remove and wipe away any shame that she has for any of her past rejections or how they've kept her small or hidden or or kept her from stepping out into the unknown of the future. God, would you remove that shame and help her to stop shooting on herself that she should have done it this way or she, she should be over it by now. God, help her to just have an immense amount of grace for where she is right now. And with that grace, God, would you help her to just take one step forward, Lord? Would you hold her hand and just show her the way, knowing that she does not have to do any of this alone, knowing that she is loved, that she is strong, that she is courageous, and Lord, that you are going to be the great shepherd of her life, leading her through this immeasurable pain. God, I pray that you bring amazing community around her, that you would just shower her with friendships and encouragements in her life. And I pray that this conversation today was an encouragement to her as well, to just make her feel Like she doesn't have to do it all by herself, that she can have a team around her and that Lord, that you are her greatest advocate. I pray for healing above her, for her heart above all else, Lord. And I pray for you to miraculously instill love into her, a love that she has never even known before, that she would grow in deeper knowing of herself and that her would set her free from the past shame and the heartbreaks and whatever it is that she's been through, God, and help her to step into the fullness of her identity. Thank you, Lord, for every rejection in a way because it is making us who we are and growing us in deeper love of ourselves and of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys, isn't Kate amazing? I just love her and I love her story. And there were so many times that I was just knocked over by God's truth and his love as she talked. Game changing, right? Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find any of the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including links for Kate, so you can pick up her book, listen to her podcast, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. Friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It doesn't send you an email or anything. It'll just make sure that your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. 
And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I'd be so grateful. Friends, thanks so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I will see you next week.